Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Friends, would you join me in an attitude of prayer? Gracious God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock. You are our strength. You are our redeemer. Amen. Okay, I want you to close your eyes for just a quick moment. And as you close your eyes... Try to remember the last time you saw a rainbow. Can you see it in your mind's eye? I can't remember the last time I saw a rainbow, uh, but I know how it makes me feel. And if you're seeing that rainbow in your mind's eye, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Perhaps you too know that whenever you see a rainbow you often pause in awe and wonder, don't we? Perhaps when you see a rainbow, you you see it up in the clouds and your eyes linger a little bit longer to celebrate the beauty of creation. Perhaps you even think to yourself, man, I wonder where that rainbow ends and if there's a pot of gold or a leprechaun somewhere at the end of the rainbow. Or perhaps you are like me and you feel tempted to bust out in song and start singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Since we're all good Kansans, we all know that song by heart, right? Rainbows are beautiful. Rainbows capture our attention whenever we see them because they invite us to remember the beauty of God's goodness. For why would God include such a beautiful piece of art in the world if for no other reason for us to enjoy it and to remember that God is good? When you look at a rainbow, whether you can see it in your mind's eye or you can't remember the last time you saw one, do you think of Noah's Ark? Do you think of the rainbow covenant that God made with Noah and all creation that day in Genesis chapter 9. 
If not, I want to suggest to you that you should, because in this text that Dylan read for us from Genesis 9, we see the theological origins of the rainbow. Now, of course, we're all probably quite familiar with the story of Noah's Ark. It's one of those stories that we've heard time and time again in Sunday school and beyond. And so we're, we're probably familiar with the major contours of how the story progresses. God comes to Noah and says, hey, I want you to build an ark. And on that ark, I want you to put you and your family and also two of every kind of animal because I'm going to send a flood onto the earth to wipe out all of creation, and I want you to survive and these animals to survive as well. So Noah does it. He follows the instructions. The floods come, and for 40 days and 40 nights, Noah and his family and two of every animal are on the ark until finally the water subsides. And just like Olivia told us at children's time, he then sends out some doves to see if there's dry land. The first one comes back, the second one comes back, the third one doesn't come back, which tells Noah there must be dry land. And so they come out of the ark and they see in the sky a rainbow. And when they see the rainbow, God makes a covenant, not only with Noah, not only, not only with the animals, but with all of creation, where God promises never to do it again. Now, of course, the story is not all sunshine and rainbows. If you actually read the whole story, it's filled with a lot of violence. Violence that we tend to shy away from in Sunday school for good reason, because it makes us uncomfortable. When we read the story about how God looked out onto creation after just six chapters and says, I don't like what I see. I want a divine do-over. And when we read that God sends a flood to wipe out all of creation, we're not quite sure what to do with that violence. Today, we're going to focus on the rainbow, not because we're going to pretend like the flood isn't part of the story, but we're going to focus on the rainbow because the rainbow is what's worth proclaiming. Because in the rainbow, we see nothing less than God himself making a covenant to Noah and to all generations to follow. That includes you and me. That never again will God exact divine punishment on the world. Never again will God use God's power to destroy. The ancient writers of this text in Genesis, they would have had a very good sense, a very keen sense of God's all-encompassing power and justice. The ancient worldview of, of the Bible times saw that whenever bad things happened, they happened as a result of divine punishment and divine judgment. And so to have the story be in the Bible where God decides to wipe out all of creation, that would not have been a surprise to any of the ancients. For again, their worldview was when things go bad, it's because God makes them happen. What would be unusual, what is the surprise of the text, is that in the end, God decides to self-impose limits on God's divine power. When God puts the rainbow up in the sky, he says, I will never do this again. 
And even though God has all the power in the world, even though God is a God of justice, God says, once and for all, I am making my covenant. I will not relate to my creation through punishment and vengeance. I will relate to them through my love. This amazing, unpredictable part of the passage would have surprised the ancient readers of Noah's Ark. It's amazing because in this rainbow we see God binds God's own self to humanity in a new and a different way. When we see the rainbow, we remember God is not just the creator, but God is also now the protector, the one who vows never to exact vengeance or violence on creation, but instead vows to protect, to nurture, to watch over This is why the rainbow is the powerful reminder of the covenant. In the text that Dylan read, when when it says that God puts his bow in the clouds, it's a sign that God is putting up his weapon. The ancients, again, they would have seen lightning that often accompanies rainstorms and floods as divine arrows shot down from heaven from a divine bow. And when we see the rainbow, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but you see the ark. And if you put a bow right in front of the image, you'll notice that the ark of the rainbow represents that of a bow and arrow where the arrow is pointed not towards earth, but towards the sky. And so this is why the rainbow is the sign of God's everlasting, steadfast love. For in the rainbow, God remembers and we remember that the divine weapon is not pointed towards us. That is the covenant that God makes. This message of God's radical love for creation, even in the midst of chaos and turmoil, matters for us today. It matters for so many reasons. For one, it matters because many of us grew up with a theology or even still have an idea of God as an angry, vengeful, and wrathful God. We have this deep-seated notion, many of us, that God is just waiting for us to mess up so he can strike down arrows of lightning or bring a flood into our lives to punish us for the wrong that we've done. Noah's Ark tells us a different story. Noah's Ark tells us that's actually not who God is. It tells us that, yes, bad things do happen, and bad things will continue to happen. It's one of the mysteries of being human. Natural disasters, war, personal loss, trauma, grief, whatever it is, friends, hear this good news. It is not God punishing you. That is not how God relates to the world. Secondly, this message of God's love is important because when we look to the chaos and the violence that seems to encapsulate our world at times, perhaps you ask the question like I do, why in the world does God not do something? 
Friends, I don't know about you, but when I hear the news coming out of Afghanistan this week, I struggle to reconcile my belief in an all-powerful and loving God with what is going on. I'm sure you've all heard the news this past Thursday, 13 U.S. service members killed in, in a bombing, and about 170 other civilians killed as well. Perhaps you heard the news that today Hurricane Ida, as it's making its way towards the Gulf Coast, has now become a Category 4 hurricane. And this weekend is the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And that same community is bracing once more for what will be a devastating storm. Why doesn't God do something? There's a lot that could be said to that question. There could be a lot of sermons preached on that question. But for today, perhaps it is enough for us to say, God has done something. God has done something for every time you look up and see a rainbow, you can know God has done something. When you see the colors of the rainbow, you can remember just as God promises to remember that God has made a new reality possible, a reality where chaos eventually will give way to order, a reality where violence and war will eventually give way to peace, a reality where all brokenness will give way to healing and wholeness, a reality where what is lost will be found. And the most important part of that new reality is that it won't come by the bow or the arrow, or the bomb. It will come only by the power of the cross. The cross that says, I will not exact vengeance and punishment upon my creation. Instead, I will come myself to make a way when there was no way for you and for me and the whole world to be at peace with the God who has made us. Friends, God has done something, and God continues to do something by inviting us into this reality, into this mercy of Christ, to bring forth God's salvation of peace, justice, freedom, wholeness, inclusion, even amidst our broken world where we know we're not there yet. Heaven knows that we still choose violence. Heaven knows that we still choose war and retribution and vengeance and punishment, both for how we relate to others and how we relate to ourselves. It is good news that when we could not end the downward spiral of violence ourselves, God promises to do so. In the rainbow covenant, God chooses another way. In the movie, The Wizard of Oz, our fellow Kansan Dorothy sings it pretty well. And I was thinking that I would sing this to you, but I really can't sing, and I'm not like Gary, so I won't sing it for you. But you know the song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, right? The first verse of that song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Way Up High, There's a Land That I Heard Of Once in a Lullaby. In closing, I want to just add one correction to those lyrics, for they're not exactly right. 
that place somewhere over the rainbow? It's not way up high. It is not in the place of lullabies. That place somewhere over the rainbow is right here. It is right now. It is even in your midst. It is here in the pews. It is anywhere where we see people choose forgiveness and mercy instead of punishment and vengeance. Friends, we live in the light of God's rainbow. We live by the light of the mercy of Christ. As you go forth from this place, won't you live in that light? Let that multicolored, multifaceted light shine forth from your face and every action that you take until everyone is saved and everyone is free. Until that place somewhere over the rainbow is finally here once and for all. May it be so by the mercy of Christ. Amen.